You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning and welcome back. I am Heather Caro. I am your host today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining me on Real Presence Live. It's been a fabulous morning. Great conversations with some great people. And it hasn't come to an end yet, folks. We've still got one great interview with John Martinoni coming up right now. So good morning, John. Good morning, Heather. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am doing okay. Thank Ac- you. Little excellent. little frog in my throat, but that'll clear up here. <laughs> yeah, that's right as the interview starts. Of course, that's how we do things. <laughs> yep. I'm always clearing my throat when the music's playing. So, so tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, John. Well, I am uh, currently the director of evangelization for the Diocese of Birmingham. I have a little side apostolate called the. Bible Christian Society that I founded about 25 years ago. I do apologetics and evangelization through that. I was uh, one of the hosts of EW10's Open Line. I was the Monday host for yep. about 17 years. So I remember that well. <laughs> a lot of people may may be familiar with my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I grew up Catholic, never learned my faith growing up, left the church when I went off to college, and Lived uh, 13 years, a perfectly heathen lifestyle, and then uh, came back into the church and uh, really started learning my faith after that. Once I got into, uh, I heard Scott Hahn's conversion story, mm. and that's what kind of lit the fire and got me into apologetics and, and into doing what I'm doing. Love it. Well, thank God for Scott Hahn. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I always wonder how many people he's brought to the faith. Wouldn't that be fascinating to know? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's oh. uh, tens, hundreds of thousands, if not even millions. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, you have a new book coming out. I'm excited to talk about it. Just the title alone has me very interested. So tell us what that is. It's a blue-collar answer to Protestantism, and the subtitle is Catholic Questions Protestants Can't Answer. Nice. And, uh, it's, it's, it's really divided into two main sections. The first section is problems with Protestantism, and then the second half is questions Protestants can't answer, and I've got literal, literally 30 questions in there. Each one is its own little chapter. It's, it's really easy to read. I mean, each chapter is... In those questions is like maybe two to four pages long, and it's it's thirty questions that I have used in my actual conversations with Protestants, and I've talked to thousands of Protestants in the last twenty five years, and uh, it's it's questions that no hmm. none of them have ever been able to answer. Interesting. Why don't you give us a sample? What what's one of the questions? Well, and, and when I say they can't answer. When you ask the question, if you get the book and you, ask, you, you see these questions, you try it out on some of your Protestant when you ask the question, you'll get an answer. But I guarantee you this, the answer will either contradict Scripture or it will contradict, contradict their theology. For example, one of the questions is, uh, you know, many Protestants, not all, but most Protestants believe in this uh, dogma of sola fide, we're saved by our faith alone. All I, mm. all I have to do is accept Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior, and that's it, I'm saved. Yeah. So faith is what saves us, nothing else. So one of the questions is, do you have to love God in order to be saved? And now, 
What was your first response when I asked that question? Yes. Of course you do. <laughs> I mean, what a silly question, John. But here's the thing. If you believe you're saved by faith alone, mm. if the definition of your main dogma is that you're saved by faith alone, then the answer is no. You don't have to love God in order to be oh. saved. Okay? And, and I mean, it's just a common sense question. I, I don't yeah. have to be a Bible expert to ask that question and to understand the, the ramifications of the answer. But if they say, yes, you do have to love God, well, then it's not salvation by faith alone. It's salvation by faith and love. Right, because okay? you can believe in something and not love it. Exactly. But wow. if they say, no, you don't have to love God in order to be saved, well, then what kind of position does that put them in? <laughs> yeah. You know, God is love. The two great commandments, love God above all else, love your fellow man as yourself. And Jesus says, if you love God, if you love your fellow man, you abide in me. If you don't abide in me, you're in big trouble. Well, so so no, you don't have to love God in order to be safe, but that's actually what mm. the definition of their dogma says. So that's the kind of question that I ask in this book. That's awesome. Why why title it with blue collar blue collar answers? Blue collar is kind of there was a time several years uh, probably about fifteen years ago or so. Within about two or three weeks, I had two to three different people say, you know, they were talking about my style of apologetics and how common sense and easy they are for people to grasp and not, not just understand, but to repeat in their own lives, in their own situations. Mm-hmm. And, and these people, all unrelated to each other, used the phrase blue collar to mm. describe my apologetics. So I just kind of said, oh, you know, that, that it stuck with me. And for me, blue collar means common sense, yeah. simple logic. A, a blue collar person, you know, a, a plumber, a factory worker, a uh, whoever, they've got to have common sense to do what they're doing. You know, they've got to have a little little logic to be able to do what they're doing. So simple, uh, simple logic, common sense is what blue-collar is. So my first book was Blue-Collar Apologetics, so Common Sense Apologetics. So this book is a blue-collar answer, a common-sense answer to Protestantism. Well, and it sounds like it'll give us the tools, those of us who might be afraid to evangelize, it gives us some basic tools to be able to do that in, like you said, in a common sense way. Ab- absolutely. And I tell people, I said, look, with, with, with my first book, I, I taught four strategies for doing apologetics, and I showed how to apply them. When, when you talk about, I had a chapter on Mary, a chapter on the Eucharist, a chapter on Sola Scriptura, and so forth. And, and so I used the strategies there, showed you the strategies. This book, basically I look at, again, not using the strategy. Well, yeah, I kind of inherently use the strategies that I teach. But it's more just, hey, um, have you ever thought about this, Mr. Baptist or Miss Evangelical? And mm-hmm. what about this? And... and so it's just easy questions. And I tell people, I said, look, you can actually buy this book. And like I said, on the front it says, Catholic questions Protestants can't answer. And you can hand it to somebody you've dialogued with or somebody who's asked you questions about the faith before, or maybe even attack the faith uh, in your presence. And you say, hey, this guy that wrote this book, he says there's these questions in here that Protestants can't answer. I would really really be interested in your opinion of what he has to say. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so it makes it a, a discussion between them and me, not them and you. And you can just kind of sit back and, and be a, a bystander to what goes on. Yeah, that's that's excellent. How do you deal with, um, I know I have family members who are a different faith, and they will come and, and tend to lecture me and my family on our faith, right. but they don't want to hear what you have to say. Is there a way to deal with that? Yes, there is. And what I just said is one way. is You can say, hey, do me a favor. I'd really like your opinion. Could you just maybe read two or three of these questions in this book mm-hmm. and, and, and tell me what you think about them? And that yeah. way you're getting them to read this stuff. And if they refuse and then they start trying to lecture you, say, no, no. No more conversations about this until you've read this. Uh. I've listened to what you've said for I don't know how many times. <laughs> right. You know, now, I'm asking you just a simple courtesy. I, I, I really value your opinion. I know you know your faith. You know the Bible. And this guy just goes by the Bible. Is what he's saying valid or not? I really want you to let me know. Interesting. And, and, and then... If, again, if they refuse to read it, refuse, then you don't talk to them anymore about the faith. You right. say, no, no. They ask you a question, and they start saying, well, you Catholics worship me. Wait a minute. Have you read that book yet? Well, no. Then stop right, right. now. You have no right to talk to me about this until you, you have done what I've asked. Yeah. And that's it. That's brilliant. Yeah, because part of... Part of me is just like, you know, I don't think they really want to hear my answer. <laughs> well, they don't. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this is, I, I have been to seminars uh, at, at Protestant megachurches where the seminar was, the whole seminar was about how to evangelize Catholics. Okay. And one of the things they tell you is you won't get answers from Catholics. You ask this question, Catholics won't know what to say because Catholics don't know the Bible. They don't even know their faith very well, which many times what they're saying about the average Catholic is true. Yeah. But so so when they run into a Catholic who does know how to explain their faith, who does know how to answer their question, it completely discombobulates them. They yeah. don't know. It, it, it takes them out of their routine. It takes them out of their training. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? So they'll ask you a question, and you'll respond, and you'll ask them a question, like one of these 30 questions. And what a, one of the most common responses I get, you know, uh, do you have to love God in order to be saved? And they'll look at me, they'll go, well, 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 you worship Mary. <laughs> exactly. They change the subject. <laughs> They're like, no, no, we'll get to Mary in a second. Do yes. you have to love God in order to be saved? Answer the question. Yeah. And, and I always tell people, I say, look, if you, if you are either unwilling or I, I'm thinking unable to answer this question, what does that say about your theology? Yeah. You know, I don't attack them personally, but I attack their theology. Yeah. I go after the theology. But I always say, I don't say you, you, you. I say your theology, your theology. Uh, and, yeah. and that way it kind of, it, it separates, a, the, you know, it doesn't make it as personal. You know, right. because I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about your theology. Yes. You know, 
that, yeah, that's, that's how I handle that. That's interesting because that, the, the person I'm thinking of, they always change the subject or they walk away. <laughs> yes. When I come up with an answer. Because they cannot, they are not prepared for you to have an answer or to ask them a question. Yeah. That's why it is incumbent upon us to ask the questions. Yeah. Well, and hopefully they, my prayer for them is that they take it home and think about it. That's what I tell people. I say, all this is, it's, a, it's a not about I'm right, you're wrong, Catholic Church is right, Baptist Church is wrong. It's about what is the truth mm-hmm. and planting seeds of truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, we have to take a quick break, but I'm going to keep you over the break, and we're going to continue uh, chatting about your new book, A Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism. Protetiz- <laughs> if I can speak get today, it. I'll get it there eventually. <laughs> but we're going to take a quick break. I'm Heather Caro. More Real Presence Live right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. This is Jake Warner, the State Deputy of the North Dakota Knights of Columbus. I was asked to explain if someone were to come to me and and ask why should they become a Knight of Columbus. I can answer from my my own experience, uh, and that would be um, becoming a Knight of Columbus has made me a better Catholic. It's made me a better uh, husband. It's made me a better father. It's made made me a better man. There are so many things about the Knights of Columbus that young men are really looking for, and and they don't understand it's just as close as as their local church. Becoming a part of of the Knights of Columbus local council uh, opens up so many doors for you. In a society where people are known to be loners and going their own way and, and trying to figure out what's going on around them, the Knights of Columbus provides you a family, people that you can go to, resources that you can reach out to, ask questions of, get encouragement from, uh, not only spiritual encouragement, but, but all kinds of things. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning and welcome back. I am Heather Caro. I am your host this morning, broadcasting from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining me today. We're having a great conversation with John Martinoni with his new book that he has out. Uh, John, we have covered a lot of great things um, about your book, but let's talk a little bit about Protestantism. Protestantism. Now that we've said it, I've said it wrong every time. <laughs> Protestantism. 
Protestantism. Protestantism. Protestantism. There, that worked. Protestantism. Okay. So we were talking during the break, and I always feel sorry for the listeners that don't get to hear our breaks because we continue the conversation. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about, just in general, the problem with Protestantism. Protestant. The problem with Protestantism, or the problems, which is, again, the first half of the book, I've got 12 chapters that are problems with Protestantism. And the first one, and I don't want to scandalize anybody here, but it kind of shocks people when they first hear it. The, cha- the title of the first chapter in the book, under Problems with Protestantism, is Decapitating Jesus. Ooh. And people go, what? What are you talking about? John, are you, is this heresy, John? What are you, you know, no, no, no. Here's, what, here's, here's the explanation for that title. I have quite often in my, again, 25 years of talking to literally thousands of different Protestants across the Protestant spectrum, I have over and over and over and over again heard people say, well, you go by what your church says, I go by what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. Or you go by the, your church, I go by the Bible. And mm-hmm. so, but, but we see in, in the Bible, in, in particular, say, Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, it talks about... Jesus being the head of the body, which is the church, the church, yeah. the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So the church, His body, is the fullness of Him. He is the head. The church is the body. So when Protestants say, "I don't need the church; I've got Jesus," or "I don't need the church; I've got the Bible, which has Jesus," you know, the Word of God, they're separating the head from the body. Mm-hmm. And what's it called when you separate the head from the body? Decapitation. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so pro- true. Many, many Protestants are in essence decapitating Jesus with their theology. Their theology of me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't need the church. You know, me and Jesus. It's, uh-uh. You don't have Jesus unless you have the church. <laughs> you know, it, it, you can't split the two. It's yeah. not either or, it's both and. It's the head and the body in order to have the complete Christ. Jesus and the church, not Jesus or the church. Um, there's a, another chapter in there, it's called um, Sin Has Consequences. You know, in Protestantism, well, in those Protestant denominations that believe in once saved, always saved, Mm-hmm. That once I accept Jesus into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior, I'm saved. My ticket is punched. Nothing can derail that train to heaven. I am there, baby. I am mm-hmm. gone. Well, what's the consequence of sin? Yeah. There is none. You go to heaven if you believe. You go to hell if you don't believe. What consequence does sin have? Yeah. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. It has no consequence for the believers, and it literally has no consequence for the unbelievers. Yet in the New Testament, what are we? Paul's always telling them, "Don't sin." Jesus is railing against sin. That sin is a major, major thing in yeah. the New Testament that we are to avoid. Why? Because sinners don't get to heaven. But in once saved, always saved theology, sin has no consequence, and that contradicts Scripture. So that's a problem with Protestantism. Uh, one more problem. <clears throat> Excuse me, real quick is uh, Protestantism, in many ways, makes God a liar. And Mm. and people are shocked. What do you mean, my faith makes God a liar? I said, well, you believe in this thing called salvation by faith alone, right? Absolutely. And you believe 
that God forensically declares a guilty person innocent, even though they are actually guilty, right? Because God sees Jesus and not the sinner. So God declares someone who's guilty, he declares them innocent, right? Right. So God's a liar. <laughs> he's saying that he's saying I'm innocent. You know, he's declaring me innocent, but I'm actually guilty under Protestant theology. But God just kind of says I'm innocent because, again, he sees Jesus and not me. And so when he's judging me, so that makes God a liar, number one. Number two, it makes God, you know, impotent in a sense because God declared me innocent, but I'm still guilty. Yeah. So God's declaration has no power whatsoever in Protestant theology. Whereas in Catholic theology, when we're baptized, we are literally made clean. We are a new man in Christ, or a new woman in Christ. So we are literally made innocent. We are innocent. So God declares us innocent because we are innocent. Protestant theology, God declares them innocent, but they are guilty. So it makes <laughs> God a liar. Oh, I could listen to this all day. I'm going to have to get the book. <laughs> You're going to have to get the book. Got to do it, Heather. I got to do it. It is because there's so many things like you get into solar scriptura. Okay, where does it say that in the Bible? <laughs> you know, yeah. there's all these little things that they talk and and base their world around and it's like, okay. Well, that that to get back to the questions, uh, one of those 30 questions, it, in the questions I focus on sola scriptura, sola fide, once saved, always saved, and maybe one or two other uh, of the main doctrines of Protestantism. And I come at them from different perspectives. So there mm-hmm. might be five, six, seven different questions on sola fide or sola scriptura, but they're from different perspectives, jumping off from different scripture verses. But one in particular that I like to use about sola scriptura, I asked them, I said, uh, who wrote the Gospel of Mark? And how do you know? You know, I mean, how do you know? You know, first I'll ask you, do you believe the Gospel of Mark is the inspired and errant word of God? Every single Protestant says yes. So, okay, so who wrote it and how do you know? And how do you know they were inspired? I'll say, well, um, I say, give me book, chapter, and verse. Because, <laughs> because the Scripture is your authority, yeah. and it's only Scripture... So give me book, chapter, and verse that says the Gospel of Mark was written by some guy named Mark, and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so we know it's the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Where does the Bible say that? Well, guess what, Heather? It It doesn't. doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So so in other words, sola scriptura is logically indefensible, because in order to have your scriptura, you have to have an authority outside of Scripture mm-hmm. to give you Scripture. So it makes no sense. It, it, it's a logical contradiction, Sola Scriptura, and that one question reveals yeah. that. I love it. John Martinoni, always a pleasure to have you on. I wish I could hear you more often. 
<laughs> Anytime, be... <laughs> Heather. Just give me a holler. <laughs> we'll be looking for your book, A Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism. Protestant Protestantism. Thank you. <laughs> this is awesome. Good luck. Good luck, Heather. <laughs> but John, thank you for uh, joining us today, and I will be Dude. looking for your book. Thank you, Heather. God bless you. All right. God bless. Bye. Okay, so that is the end of our show, and we're going to head on up to Fargo where Mr. Aaron is going to tell us about what's happening on Tuesday's show. On the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your hosts will be Amanda Elderkamp and Kelly Schneider coming to you live from Trinity High School in Dickinson, North Dakota. Their guests will include staff members from Trinity High School, such as Father Grant Dvorak, school chaplain, and Coach Greg Grinsteiner, athletic director, along with other guests from the nearby communities. All this and more will be coming to you on the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you, Heather. Thank you very much. So, folks, if you uh, missed any of our show this morning, we've had some great guests on. We had Patrick McGuire and Father Eric Seitz. They were talking about the Diocesan Musician Workshop that's being held in Fargo. And then Jenny Palmer was uh, talking about the Bishop Dudley Hospitality House in Night of Hope, which I will be participating in tonight. So, folks, if you want to donate to that, please uh, be sure to check out their website, Otherwise, I would appreciate any prayers you have as I sleep outside uh, the Bishop Dudley house tonight. Eric Gallagher was in sharing all the wonderful things that he has going on, especially the Emmaus Conference next weekend, October 27th through the 28th. And then John Martinoni, miss hearing him on EWTN, his new book, A A Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism. I got it without him on the phone. <laughs> so, great show. You can always check it out on our podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, look for Real Presence Radio or Real Presence Live. You can also download our free app. We've uh, just swapped new apps, so be sure that you're downloading the correct app. We've got uh, a new app out there. And then also you can go online and see any of our podcasts out there online at realpresenceradio.com. Well, that does it for me today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure and a wonderful morning. Hope the rest of your week is a blessed one. Thank you. God bless. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live. Local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.